Transforming Bodies, a judgment-free zone where Trish answers all your burning questions about aesthetics procedures. Find out what and who is the latest and greatest and gain clarity on what options are out there to leave you feeling good in your body. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond here from the Transforming Bodies podcast and today I'm joined with Dr Tim Edwards who's a specialist plastic surgeon um, based in Adelaide, South Australia, my old hometown and he's the president of the Australasian Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons and we're here at the Non-Surgical Symposium 2023 and we're going to have a talk about stuff that's happening in the industry at the moment um, because there's so many changes happening and it's really good for everybody to know and so hoping to get it out there to the masses but um, Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Edwards. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. So tell me, the first question I want to ask you is there's been so many changes happening lately with regards to the cosmetic industry in Australia. And can you give us a brief rundown? Because we've had so much crap happening and it's kind of getting cleaned up a little bit now, if that makes any sense, or if I'm saying the right thing even. But can you tell me a little bit about it? So this process really started with the expose of heinous behaviour by some small number of medical practitioners performing cosmetic uh, procedures. And we saw this in the media and most people are aware of what I'm talking about. And uh, and this was really distressing both to professional uh, uh, surgeons and also obviously to patients to see that this was going on. Um, in response, the government has launched multiple different inquiries into the cosmetic surgery and non-surgical industries. Um, to try and uh, improve standards. Um, it all started because of uh, the so-called cosmetic cowboys and what they were uh, exposed as doing. Unfortunately, it ends with the fact that they're still operating out there and, uh, uh, and so in some ways the government has achieved very little. But what it has done is shone a light on uh, uh, bad practice and educate the public into what they should be looking for in their practitioner. <clears throat> and along with that, a suite of reforms just to tighten up uh, the processes, uh, the patient safety, the protection of patients. Uh, so we can say they're all good things. Mm -hmm. So so is like how is it going to benefit patients? It's going to keep them safer? Well, it's a number of ways. So with respect to advertising, it's going to uh, clamp down on misleading advertising that glamorises procedures and surgery and uh, gives a sense of unrealistic expectations. Uh, mistitling, it's going to clamp down on people referring to themselves as things that they are not, such as people who don't have a surgical qualification referring to themselves as surgeons. Um, uh, and also screening for um, vulnerabilities of mental health that some patients may have that may affect their ability to make good decisions. So there are a number of um, different processes being put in place, both in the non-surgical and the surgical space. You know, that's fantastic. And I love it when I when I hear um, that some people have been refused surgery because, you know, because um, it, it might be an issue for them to actually have surgery. I don't know what it is, but um, I, I actually really like that because it's not just about let's make money, let's just give people what they want. It's actually about, you know, working out if that person, you know, sh I don't know if should is the right word, but um, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? What am I trying to say? What you're trying to say is, firstly, is a person seeking surgery for the right reasons? Mm. And that can be whether it's aesthetic or not. Um, the second thing is, is that 
um, result achievable? Can you achieve what that person uh, wants you to do? And the third thing is, is it actually going to meet the expectations of the individual? And there are some people who may have body image disorders or just insecurities or anxieties or various mental health conditions who just need <clears throat> maybe not even to not have surgery, but they need to sort the, those things out first. Mm -hmm. So they need to get the right professional advice and then you can work with that person to achieve a result that's certainly both uh, done for the right reasons. Secondly, might achieve what they want and then will ultimately make them uh, satisfied with the result. I love that um, that process for want of a better word because I remember the first time I ever went to see a practitioner, my question was, okay, well, what do you think I need? And they rattled off a whole bunch of stuff. And for me, once you know that, you can't look back. So I thought, I didn't think I needed Botox. I thought I looked all right. It's, if, if someone comes in and says that sort of question, uh, the, the immediate response that I would give them is, well, it's not about what you need. Mm -hmm. It's what you want and you tell me what you're thinking bothers you, yeah. and then we can work with that. Um, but it's it's not about me telling people what they want, and uh, that that will happen on a uh, regular basis where All someone might come to see me and and I, you know, I might be judgmental and think that, that they've come in to talk about this problem, and in fact, there's nothing to do with it. They're not bothered by that problem, and they've come in to talk about another problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very much about listening to your patients and hearing what bothers them because what bothers you may not bother me and vice versa. Mm, that's so true. I remember I had I had a tummy tuck after I gave birth to my son. He was, um, well, he's 25 now. And um, I remember going to see the doctor and he said, would you like me to do some liposuction on your hips as well? And I was like, no, my hips are fine. But later on, I was like, I oh, should have listened to him. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, it's, it's always a, um, a, a slightly um, awkward uh, debate between not wanting to in any way upsell mm. procedures, but also wanting to advise people uh, on uh, the most appropriate thing for themselves. Mm. And that all comes down to developing rapport and that comes down to spending enough time with that individual so that both the, uh, the patient and the doctor feel comfortable in a free exchange of ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. And tell me, with just recently, or coming into effect on the 1st of July 2023, is the, it's called a, I think it's called a patient safety framework, and it starts on the 1st of July. So what are the main, major changes that we're going to be seeing? Yeah, so um, for the majority of responsible practitioners, the changes will not be great, because most of practitioners practice in a responsible way. And these frameworks are really just defining what those should be. So for example, <clears throat> with advertising, making sure that your advertising is not an inducement for attracting people to come and do things that they wouldn't normally do. Uh, with uh, assessments of uh, emotional and mental health vulnerabilities, instead of just being something that people use their intuition uh, to identify, this will be a formalized process of a patient assessment tool, uh, then various improvements in uh, uh, consent processes, so making sure that people are giving fully informed both medical and also financial consent. Uh, moving forward, there will be increased uh, uh, controls over where these procedures are performed, so we've all heard uh, stories about um, uh, various treatments being offered at parties and in someone's home this will no longer be appropriate it needs to be uh, in in a medical grade facility 
Um, and very importantly, proper aftercare. Um, it's no longer okay to do a procedure and then not be available and uh, have your backup plan that that person needs to go to the emergency room at the public hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, practitioners will be, uh, it will be mandatory that practitioners have a backup care plan. I love that because this is the whole reason that I actually got into this industry at the beginning it was because the aftercare was what I needed and I wasn't getting it and I was like, mm, that's right. So I love that. That's so good. Um, I was going to ask you, so we talked about how the upcoming changes are going to benefit the patients, but just recently APRA have released some guidelines. Oh, actually, it's probably not recently. They've probably had them forever, but they're going to make a big, um, you know, they're going to make sure people are adhering to their guidelines. But the APRA guidelines for non-surgical cosmetic procedures are changing or they've changed. Can you give us a little bit of insight for the, you know, just for the average person? Like when I say average person, I mean like someone that's not a doctor, <laughs> just for patients looking for practitioners because you don't want to see those fake pretend kind of before and afters that have been photoshopped and all that. And I think this has got something to do with that. Is that Absolutely. right? So those sorts of things will be uh, banned going forward, as will patient testimonials, which we all know can be very misleading or even false. Um, uh, various packaging of inducements, uh, uh, you know, uh, to either, either bring other people into the practice or uh, upsell for multiple procedures at the same time, these sorts of things. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, the reality is that surgery and non-surgical procedures don't fit into the same category as other retail things where you often see, you know, buy one, oh, get yeah. one free, <laughs> all these sorts of things. So uh, it's, it's dialing back the commercialisation of this industry to fit more within a medical responsible framework than a retail upselling framework. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, a really good thing and I think that that's what uh, most patients would be, feel more comfortable with as well. One of the most common complaints I hear uh, with new patients is about pressure that they felt uh, uh, to, uh, to do more and add more into their a normal regime uh, and uh, I think you need to dial that back and just look after people for the things that are bothering them mm -hmm. and provide uh, a very non-biased, independent, um, uh, uh, responsible advice. That's so true and it's funny because I've seen that happen time and time again where people have multiple things happening all at once which has always freaked me out because I'm a, I'm a one procedure at a time kind of person myself but um, and not that it hasn't been successful it has been but just the thought of that was enough to just freak me out. Yeah look ev everyone's different and there are some people who will see the value of uh, doing a number of procedures at once because that's one operation it's one uh, downtime it's one uh, anaesthetic maybe if they're having a surgical mm, procedure um, but this all has to be t taken in the context of uh, is that safe, is that reasonable, is that person fit and healthy enough to do it. Mm -hmm. So there's no blanket rule on these things. Every individual needs to be assessed uh, for that uh, and how it suits them and their, you know, their social circumstances, the care plan that they have afterwards, their expectations of getting back to work, all those sorts of things. That's so true because that one of the girls that I know that had a bunch of stuff done after losing a, a massive amount of weight. She just had, went bang, bang, bang. And I think she had three major surgeries, but she had a lot of stuff done. And she coped really well, but I know that I wouldn't. So, you know, that in itself. Yeah, and this is what some people will say to me. They say, I can just 
get my head around one thing at a time, so let's just do this this year and next year we'll come back and look at that and that's absolutely fine because it's what makes them comfortable and that's that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And look, last night I was looking at the website. I was looking at aestheticplasticsurgeons.org.au, which is the website for the Australasian Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. And I loved so many things that I saw on it because because they're new. And I haven't looked at the website for years, I've got to be honest, like when I probably, I don't know, at least... I don't know, maybe five, ten years ago. And I just love the fact that um, there's a few thing, key points in there. But first of all, ASAPs are seen as uh, they're representing a culture of excellence in cosmetic surgery. I loved that that phrase. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so we're an educational body. That's essentially our DNA. Plastic surgery is a broad specialty. You have everything from <coughs> craniofacial surgery, microsurgery, burn surgery, just to name a few. Aesthetic surgery is one part of um, plastic surgery. Not all plastic surgeons do aesthetic surgery. Some plastic surgeons do a mixture and some plastic surgeons only do aesthetic surgery. So our, our organisation represents around 300 plastic surgeons across Australia and New Zealand and essentially we're an educational body. So we run uh, courses, we run um, uh, conferences uh, for our members and we also help uh, with advice regarding um, uh, standards. Um, we uh, also run this conference, the uh, Non-Surgical Symposium, which is a, uh, a conference for people who have an interest in non-surgical treatments. Uh, our organisation strongly believes that surgery should be performed by registered specialist surgeons, but in the non-surgical space there are a large uh, uh, diaspora of uh, uh, practitioners who work in this space, including plastic surgeons, but not limited to. So that includes ner registered nurses, dermal therapists, dermatologists, dentists, uh, general practitioners. Um, and this conference is a great way of bringing all of those different people together to share their skills. We have um, uh, the benefit of multiple uh, international experts who come to this conference and they come here because of the uh, esteem in which this conference is held around the world uh, and it's a great sharing of ideas because uh, if we all sit in our little silos and don't talk to each other we don't gain the benefit of each other's experience. And one thing I love about this conference being someone who's I'm not any of those practitioners things, I'm just like I said I'm a patient but I love the fact that um, you as a specialist plastic surgeon who's had a squillion years of you know just just education before you even get into the field like or 12 years or whatever it is can actually learn something from a dermal therapist who's actually you know a, had a three-year degree but because their specialty is skin I love the fact that it's all it, it's like a cross-pollination of everyone learning from everyone so it's not just the 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 people who have got the lower qualifications learning from the people who've got the higher qualifications it's vice versa and I love that yeah, and we worked very hard at that to make this a really inclusive uh, conference so that we have uh, not a hierarchy of come and listen to the specialist surgeons and, and uh, let us tell you what to do. Uh, we have speakers from all of those areas uh, contributing. And it's interesting, sometimes the, the pearls that you pick up just at uh, a coffee break, uh, just uh, mulling over 
things you find difficult and suddenly hear someone else's way of dealing with that can be some of the most valuable things you'll get out of a conference like this. Absolutely, absolutely. And just, um, like, I could talk to you all day. I've said that before today, but I could definitely talk to you all day because there's so many questions. But can you tell us a little bit, because I noticed last night that on the website, and honestly, I only spent, like, probably 10, 15 minutes on there, so there's so much information on there. So I recommend every patient actually just go to... Um, before they have any aesthetic surgery, go to aestheticplasticsurgeons.org.au. But there's a free guide on there. That's about picking your surgeon, isn't it? Yeah, there's lots of resources uh, on on the website, um, some of which are for uh, specialist surgeons, some of which are for the people attending this conference, the practitioners, and m many for patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a, a lot of information through our Know the Difference campaign because it can be difficult for patients to understand who is a registered specialist, how do I find the right person uh, to uh, uh, deal with the problems that, that, that I perceive, uh, and how do I work through the medical system, which can be a little bit murky. So we have a very clear um, uh, system where patients can look up uh, and understand the difference between non-qualified and qualified uh, specialist surgeons, and also uh, assistance with finding a, a specialist aesthetic surgeon in their area. Fantastic. I, I love that too. Look at that. I'm loving everything today, but I, I love that too because it's so important. I didn't realise there was other resources as well. So have you got other resources for patients as well? Yes, there's resources about individual uh, procedures and about uh, uh, how to, how to uh, identify and choose a surgeon. There's inf information about um, how one becomes a surgeon uh, and uh, information about individual procedures. Fantastic. Well, look, I've got to say, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. And it was good having that bit of insight about, the, you know, there's all this techno this terminology that I don't really understand. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it is. So it's good to get that um, general knowledge, just speaking to me in normal English, which is really nice. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me. Lovely. Listen, so if you do want a reference there, it's aestheticplasticsurgeons.org.au. Check it out. It's a fantastic website. You've got heaps of freebies on there as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Got a burning question for Trish? Message her on Instagram at Transforming Bodies or join the 12,000 plus people in the Facebook group Plastic Surgery Support Forum for Aussie Chicks.